So, Albert. Yeah. Are you ready for a few questions this week? As always. Andrew asks, what do you think about Mark Maron's comments on Conan O'Brien about comic book movies? And then he included a link and I went and saw it. Are you familiar with Mark Maron? Yeah, I don't know if the comments he made are newer comments, but he had made... I don't know how old that Conan video is. He's made mentioned before in the past about superhero movies. He said this repeatedly. I had to look up who Mark Maron is. And it turns out that Mark Maron's claim to fame is, I think he, he's got a podcast, but... He's a good comedian, and he's on he's, that, that Netflix show Glow I like. That's what I started to say. That was the first thing that came up. He's on Netflix's original TV show, Glow. He's not a top-level celebrity. Like the guy on HBO is not a top-level celebrity or talk show host either. And when they say things like this... Yeah, it may be their actual opinion, but it always strikes me as more of a way that they can stir controversy in what they consider whatever the zeitgeist is currently, and they're picking on comic book movies. He said something about, it, they're for seven-year-olds, and blah, 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 and the crowd booed him, and he went on, and he said that, you know, okay, big man, you're taking a stand on comic book movies. Congratulations. That's the hill to die on, man. Look, before you ask that question, Andrew, I didn't know who Mark Maron was, even though I was watching him on Glow. Now I know who Mark Maron is because of what he said about comic book movies. It's just a way to get their name out there. Their opinion shouldn't matter. When somebody says something like that about comic books or comic book movies, it's just that they have a limited appreciation of storytelling and what art is. Because you like comic book stories or because you like comic book movies does not mean you're a child by any means. It just means that you enjoy storytelling in different formats. Doesn't mean, and now our time is up, <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're not reading actual literature, that you're not well-read individuals. There are people from all walks of life that came into kingdom and had pull lists, doctors, lawyers, every walk of life, you can male, female, and they all had their own interests. This guy is just saying something for name recognition. Yeah. Do you ever hear George Clooney offer an opinion on comic book movies or anything else outside of the Batman movie he did? You don't because he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to get his opinion. He doesn't need to get his name out there. Individuals like this know that they're going to say something controversial that'll get their name circulating with a great amount of people and hope that they get some hanger-ons from it for whatever. So I don't care what Mark Marin thinks. I don't care what the pundit on HBO thinks, whose name I can't even think of. He, he did Amazon Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death was the only movie that I ever recall him being in or whatever. They have limited views on things. They've got their blinders on. They see what they want to see. And by God, nobody can challenge them on it because they've set themselves up in their own minds as the authority. But more than anything else, they're doing it for attention. They desperately want attention. It doesn't matter good or bad. Attention is still attention. Howard Stern got his start. There's a great quote in Howard Stern's movie, and it's true, that the people that love him were listening to him, but the people that hate him, but the people that hate him were listening to him in greater numbers because they wanted to hear what he said next that would offend or outrage him. It's the same thing with these people. All they want is an audience. All they want is to justify their own existence and their own form of relevance. And if that means trying to wipe their butt with something that matters to other people or the majority of the crowd, then so be it. That's what I think about Mark Maron's comments. Do you have anything on that? Nah, not really. You said, you said it all for the most part. Okay. 
Erica asks a difficult question. What do you think about the LGBTQ representation in superhero comic books? Do you think it's too much or do you think it's not enough? Hmm, I almost feel as though we're being set up. <laughs> also, we are. Uh, that's also why Marvel put that American Chavez page in the Marvel 1000 instead of Miss America. Oh, really? Yeah. Here, here's my view on, on this. Straight white man's view, so take it for what you will. I'm completely okay with all types of characters from all from ethnicities, sexualities, genders, all of it should be there as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I skew usually more, way more liberal on things, on stuff like that. Uh, my issue is, and it's the issue I have with the America Chavez comic called America, when you do these characters, make them characters. Just make, you have you need them to be more than whatever labels you decide to, to put on them. I think you're right there. And Erica, my initial thought is this is I don't care what the characters are so long as they're interesting. Yeah. So I, long as they draw me into the story, you can make me like anybody. I mean, just if they're interesting, I just want a good story and good characterization. I don't care. I knew we knew that North Star from Alpha Flight was gay without Chris Claremont ever having to tell us he was gay. When uh, John Byrne and Chris Claremont were both working on different Alpha Flight projects and such, it was very clear to us. It didn't matter. Storm, it was often hinted at that Storm was bisexual, given her relationship with Yukio and some of the things that she'd sometimes say to other X-Men characters and her and Jean's interactions. It didn't matter, and it, it doesn't matter to me now, so long as they're interesting and intriguing characters and there's a great story around it. It's just like people out there, I like it, I don't care. I think it's ridiculous that an identity has to be based on your sexual preference of who you want to sleep with. There's so much more to people than that. And the same thing with these characterizations. I don't care if Iceman's gay. I don't care if Iceman's straight. I still like his character, so long as the character has written well. And that's, that's that. I don't know what more I can say on that. I'm not taking an account of who is what or what's going on with whom in the comics. This issue has been around in comic books for a much longer time than a lot of people seem to give it credit for. It was just handled real well to get around the censors and the comic book code authority and such. Uh, Storm and North Star weren't the, uh, the implication of Storm and directness of the North Star character. That wasn't the only two things going on. There are several things going on in several comics, both Marvel, DC, and other comics elsewhere. Just good characters, good stories. That's all I want in any comic. Yeah, that's my view on it, too. For I said what I had to say, so. Yeah, okay, there you go. All right. While we're talking about Storm, have I said on the podcast before why I think they don't put her in her original Dave Cockrum outfit with the ring in the over the belly button and the rings to the side? No, the go-go suit? No. That's not a go-go suit. It's not a go-go suit. I'll tell you directly where that comes from. Everybody get ready to run to the internet and look this up. Dave Cockrum, this is just a theory. I've never heard Dave Cockrum said it. I've never heard anybody else say it. But if you notice in things like Marvel 1000 or any of these other stories where there's flashbacks of Storm, she's in the outfit except that it's a one-piece bikini. Yeah. That she's in entirely a one piece bikini. And that was not the original Cockrum design. Cockrum had the top connecting to the bottom via a ring where you saw her, where you saw her sides, nothing vulgar. You just saw her sides. It was a really cool design. All right. The theory is this. 
<laughs> I was watching a documentary <laughs> on cultural decline in America, and they brought up the movie Deep Throat. Now, I know I'm old, Albert. Do you know what the movie Deep Throat is? I'm aware of it. Okay. The movie Deep Throat is a porn, and it was a cultural shift in America back in the 70s. It was being shown in regular theaters, not in Alabama, but in other states, and it had the draw that as many men as there were going to see it, there were women as well. There is a scene in the movie Deep Throat. In fact, I, I think it's one of the only scenes that they can use in documentaries that doesn't feature nudity or pornography of any type where the main character is sitting by a swimming pool and she is in a bathing suit that looks exactly like yeah, the but one that, was, that, that, that outfit was common back then though. Well, I, I well, because I, there's Legion of Superhero characters got that same get up. Yeah, and Cochran probably made them too. For all I know. that's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, where do you think they got them from? Storm originally was a concept and design for the Legion of Superheroes by Cochran, as well as Nightcrawler. And they said, no, we don't want the, at the, the thing about Storm was in Legion of Superheroes and Claremont ran with this a little bit in X-Men. She was not only going to control weather, but she was a space vampire sort of individual. And she looked exactly like she does now, except she had, or does in the giant size X-Men, except she had fangs. DC Comics rejected Nightcrawler because he was too demon-esque and Storm has character concepts, but accepted the same costume design on other characters that Cockrum offered him. And I'm saying that Cockrum must have come across the movie Deep Throat at some point and slapped Storm into a solid black version of that outfit, put on a cape. <laughs> Could have. So I think that's kind of why when you see her now, she's in a one, in flashbacks, she's in a one-piece bikini. I don't know. We'll probably never know the answer to that. But that's my theory, Albert. <laughs> Send your email questions to KingdomCasts. That's Kingdom, C-A-S-T-S, at gmail.com. Eric basically wrote a book here, and I'm just going to read excerpts from it. <laughs> uh, I'm glad Albert has been saying good things about Dial H for Hero. I started with issue number one, and it has been an amazing book, in my opinion. I was extremely happy when it first released. I thought it was solicited as a six-issue miniseries, but then it was pushed to 12-issue maxi-series. I've been surprised so many people have overlooked this series so far. I think it would be okay if they could make it an ongoing series. I really like it that much. I'd be scared they'd ruin it by doing that, though. Well, Eric, I'm going to agree with you there because I took Albert's advice and I went back and I read the entire series. And this is Dial H for Hero. You should pick it up. This is a really good book. It's a fun comic and it's a, it's a love letter to comics Yeah, in general. Albert's been right about that. So yeah, I'm in agreement with you, Eric F. And then Eric goes on to say, I'm curious what you guys think more recently, especially with how Tom King's Batman run is going. I feel like Detective is better Batman book. We agree with you there, Eric. But yep. I think the Batman series needs to follow the direction that Detective Comics has been on. And I really want someone to take Detective back to its roots. I want to see Batman and possibly other Bat family characters in some original, but more like old school, actual detective stories. I, I would... Albert and I both aired our, have aired our opinion that Detective has been the best in continuity Batman story. And, you know, you got a lot of what you were 
wishing for with Detective when Batwoman was the primary focus of Detective for a while. That was a really good noir book. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, Batwoman stuff was really, really good. Eric's basically concerned that people are forgetting that Batman is the world's greatest detective. There's a reason that Batman comics outperform Sherlock Holmes comics. <laughs> and that's because they, they need the because action. Batman has a car. <laughs> that too. Hey, Albert, if, if Batman gets Catwoman pregnant, is it just going to come out as a bat or, or a cat? No, it comes out as a human because they're not superpowered freaks. Boy, you, I'm, you know, you, you're really trying to push buttons this week, I tell you. No, when um, it comes out as, it comes out as rich. That's what it comes out as. It, comes it out won as the rich. lottery. It's a rich person in America. It won the lottery. Till somebody shoots Bruce and Selena in an alley. <laughs> okay, but back to Eric's point. Yeah, Batman is the world's greatest detective, and they don't focus on that. Primarily, Tom King has seemed to completely forget about that. But there is a way to combine that he is the world's greatest detective with the action adventure that is Batman. That's been done well before. Tomasi is doing a great job in a detective. But like you, yeah, I'd like to see detective be a little more of an all-encompassing situation for the Bat family. Another Bat-related book, Eric is curious about what we think. Nightwing. I was okay, Eric is saying here, that he was okay with the whole Rick Grayson thing for a few issues, but at this point, he's done. Any idea why they are keeping this going? At this point, it's I feel still like going. it would have been better just to kill Yes, it's no, still... I, the, I they told you about that this. thing forever. No, I stopped reading Nightwing. No, and I did too. So our answer to that is, Eric, that we both quit reading Nightwing. Uh, the last one, I think I reviewed the last one on this podcast about when Nightwing Red, Nightwing Blue, Nightwing Green all showed up. I, I'm done with the color thing. I'm done with I'm done with every secondary character having a team of their own with their own theme. He's not Batman. The book is Nightwing, and we want to read about Dick Grayson, not necessarily Rick Grayson. I, I, I do not think we are as bereft of stories for these characters as a lot of writers and editors seem to think we are. I really don't. I, I think they're looking in the wrong circles for people to come in and take over these books like Nightwing. Nightwing could be a wonderful noir book that could go places that the Batman books can't. And I believe there's a better situation for these characters out there than is what's currently being presented to us. And I think it's kind of lazy writing to go to the standard tropes of amnesia. Oh, I'm going to call myself Rick and I'm going to have a different personality. Well, we've yeah. got this version of you. He's called the Red Hood. And as I've said before, I paid six, seven dollars or so to ensure that that version of Robin was dead. But, you know, he came back. And then Eric finishes up with, I'm also curious about your opinions on the constant big event crossover events these days. Nowadays, it reminds me of watching wrestling when I was a kid. Every episode or issue in the case of comics is just built up to the next big crossover event. It seems that because they are doing them so often that even though they make it seem world-ending and life-changing, there's really nothing there because I know it will happen again in a few months. It's like Stan said about the current Justice League, the way they are using the Monitor, Anti-Monitor, and World Forger, they feel no more powerful and significant than any other book. I think Marvel and DC should lay off the big events for a bit, and I'll say it again, get back to basics. Now they have so many going at once, I'm a bit lost as to what's happening, to who and when, and I'm starting not to care because of that. Eric, I agree with you there. There is a danger 
of losing people in these crossover events. And in certain instances, they do seem to come across as juvenile. You know, and I'm saying that about comic books. And I'm fully aware of what I'm saying when I say that. The situation is Doomsday Clock is a great event. However, there's been so many delays in it and everything, we're not quite sure where it fits in. The House of X and Powers of X is an outstanding event, but it is relative and pertinent only to the X-Men books. The so books. far. Yeah, so far. And I know Albert's theory about the Fantastic Four, and yeah, I could easily see it going that way. It doesn't feel like Hickman's trying to take over the Marvel Universe with the X-Books in this. I think that the books are best when they're character-centric. I do think that you can pull away from these big event crossovers. I do not care. I said it earlier in the podcast. I'm done with DC Comics. You're the villain. And I think we're only two months into it. If I see that logo or if I see another one of those little Legion of Doom bots show up somewhere else, I am so over that. They have managed to burn me out completely inside the first two, three months of it. I'm in full agreement with you there. They need to, again, this goes back to better editorial. Not all of it can be a great money grab because we end up, we're ending up with too many Civil War twos and not enough Civil War in these situations. I don't think Civil War was a good comic. Well, <laughs> much like the, earlier in the podcast when we were talking about everything in the 80s, I think you're mistaken about that, mister. <laughs> I'm not. That's a bad comic. Civil War is a great comic. No, it's a terrible comic. Written by a terrible man. Mark Miller is an outstanding writer. You cannot be smirched, Mark Miller. He is he's about, he's he's awesome. About Whenever he he's shows about, up, Mark Miller about 50 Whenever Mark Miller shows up, you know something spectacular is going to happen. I mean, he's not Hickman, but you know, who among us is? Hickman I'm, is I'm Hickman. in agreement with you. <laughs> well, aside from Hickman. I agree with Eric on that. You know, an event a year, a well-planned event, a well-thought-through event, yeah. Not this constant, we've got the situation in Justice League while you're of a villain. We, we've got, in DC Comics right now, the Justice League situation, the year of the villain situation, the doomsday clock situation. It's all very, again, this is a failure of editorial, in my opinion. What's your take on the last part of his question? Uh, I've, I've been tired of Marvel big events for years. DC's gotten to where they try to keep them. We had Heroes in Crisis, which was garbage. But they over the years, they've tried to pull what Snyder's doing, where they try to keep the big event within the big event, within a, an ongoing title. But at the same time, it doesn't matter. Writers don't ever read the comics that came that came directly before them. They just remember the stuff that they liked from 20 years ago, and they just do that. House of X and Powers of X has a great editor on them. He's, he's helping Hickman to tie the knots and to say, look, you can't do X unless you have Y. Can't remember the name of the editor at the moment, but I read a couple of articles and it really feels as though he's got his thumb on it, but it feels like Hickman understands the importance of editorial in regards to telling a story like this. And so he works hand in hand with them. Yeah. I, I think it's completely out of hand at DC. And I think on certain situations at marvel it's out of hand as well talked about this before it, it, it all comes down to editorial but yeah, yeah we could do with fewer of the giant crossover events and be more character focused you're going to get more people interested and to stay when you've got a great character driven book and it doesn't matter if it's nightwing it doesn't matter if it's squirrel girl if you can get somebody that can speak through that character and tell a story through that character then you don't need all the Avengers and all the Justice League embroiled in a giant 
universe-wide crossover with 45 different books and the outcomes of these books. Albert, you got anything you want to add? I'm good. I'm good to go. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate y'all listening to us. Share us with your friends, your other geeky comic book friends, and five stars. That really does help us. Please send your listener email and questions to KingdomCasts. That's Kingdom, C-A-S-T-S, at gmail.com or Kingdom Comics at gmail.com or just hit us up on Facebook. 